we can learn and why God has chosen to, to put this specific healing cases in the Gospels that he has chosen. I believe that they are there to teach us principles, to show us about God, to show us how to receive from God. We've spent some time looking at the different cases where people came to Jesus. We've uh, looked at the principles involved when we approach God. And I've mentioned the fact that there, there, the, the healing cases in the ministry of Jesus can be uh, divided up into these different groups. The first being the people who came to Jesus. And uh, we've understood that the Bible shows that when we come to God, Hebrews 11 shows us that when we come to God, we must believe. And we've spent some time looking at that. Uh, and we're now looking at the cases of the people that Jesus went to them. Jesus approached them. And this is a very simple distinction. A lot of people don't realize how important it is. There's a big difference when we go to God or when he comes to us to initiate something in our lives. Uh, when we go to God, the Bible shows that there are principles involved and how we are to approach him. Many people don't, because they don't make this distinction with healing, they just mix it all up into one go. And a lot of times people want God, they want to approach God for healing, but they want to do it by the principles as if God approached them. And they middle, muddle it up. And as a result, they, they, they struggle to receive. And what we need to understand is healing's not a complicated subject. The Bible's not complicated. God wants us to understand his word. He's given us these truths so that we can understand them because he wants to show us these things. Uh, and God has put these things in, a, in, in his word. He's given us clarity. He's shown us these truths so that we can understand the principles and then put them into practice in our lives. That's the goal. Because if we'll begin to do these things, we can get the results. But it's a, it is a lot simpler than people have made out. And a lot of people have complicated healing. They've complicated receiving from God. And again, like I said a few moments ago, because they've not understood the difference between when we approach God or when God approaches us, because they've kind of mixed it all up and muddled it all up, it's meant that they, people haven't received. Uh, there's a lot of people who are resistant to what the Bible says about faith and that's, oh, no, you know, the, it doesn't take faith to receive. And it's because they see cases in the Bible where faith was not involved in healing. And it is true. There are times people uh, received healing, received miracles, and there was not there was no faith involved. You know, if you look at the children of Israel in, in the Old Testament, when they were in the wilderness, the Bible clearly says they were in unbelief. They, they were not uh, really walking with God and in, in, in submission to his word. And yet they had some of the greatest miracles in the Bible. So we need to understand there are times when miracles, when healing can occur in a person's life and faith not be involved. But we've also got to understand what is involved in why that happens. We can't just rely on that as a method and say, well, you know, I don't like faith, so I'm just going to trust that the, I'll receive by the non-faith route. I like to call it the non-faith route. But um, we need to understand you've got to qualify for certain things. And, and um, we've got to understand how these things work. God shows us. I do not believe it is God's best for us to rely on the non-faith route. This is, this, it is an alternative. It's a backup plan. It's available. And we, we spent some time looking at this last week. But what, what we saw is that, for want of a better way to describe it, it's random. There's a randomness to it. And the Bible shows it's not for everybody. It's not for every situation. And it is not, it's not how the majority of people are going to receive. More people receive from Jesus by faith 
when they came to him, they approached him. There's 11 cases in the Gospels, and yet there's only six cases of the people that Jesus went to them. So it's a big difference. Now, what I want you to understand is that we cannot rely on trying to say, well, I want God to to heal me the non-faith route and uh, but you know and and then muddle the principles up and say well I'm going to approach him but I don't want faith to be involved. Let me just pause there for a moment. It's not for us to decide how God is going to do this. Okay, you know people like when they try to attack faith, they try to they 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 love referring to the sovereignty of God. They say, oh, well, God's a sovereign God; He can do things however He wants to, and they use that as a reason to excuse away almost anything. I agree. God is a sovereign God in the sense that he, he he's the ultimate authority. He is an absolute authority. He can do things however he wants to. However, listen carefully to this. God has already chosen how he's going to do things. He also chose before you were even born, before I was even born, before the world even existed, how he was going to do things. He then chose to write it in his word. This is his sovereignty that decided to do this. He put it in his word. He decided to show us these principles. These are not man-made principles. This is the word of God. He chose by his sovereignty to reveal to us that faith works and that when we approach him by faith, we can expect results. It's not a man-made teaching. It's in the Bible, which we believe is the word of God. So God in his sovereignty has chosen how to do it. Now, it's not up to us to dictate to him and say, no, I don't like it that way. Do it another way. And then for us to say, well, God's a sovereign God. He can do however he likes. Many people who are using the sovereignty of God as their excuse for not receiving are actually not even respecting the sovereignty of God themselves because they are trying to dictate to God how he is supposed to do it. They're saying, no, I don't want it to be done by faith. Well, you've just violated the sovereignty of God if you've made that decision independent of the word of God. If the word of God shows us that faith is involved when we approach God, when we go to him, then we need to respect the sovereignty of God and the fact that this is how God has chosen to do it. And we need to cooperate with it. If we're resistant to his word, if we're resistant to those truths, then then we're going to find they don't work in our lives and we struggle to receive. Uh, Hebrews talk Hebrews uh, three, talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness. Uh, the Bible calls that period of time. The New Testament calls that period of time in the wilderness the rebellion, and it says that they rebelled against God. And when you look carefully at Hebrews three, what they were rebelling against was the Word of God. They, they were not just resisting God himself. They were resisting his word. They were resisting what he was saying, and God called that rebellion. Now rebellion is defined as resisting an authority. You go look up dictionary definitions, you can't rebel against your best friend because they're they're on an equal level with you. Rebellion is something you do against an authority. And God is the absolute ultimate authority. And when we resist his way, how he has told us in his word, how he does things, when we are resistant to that, the Bible classes that as rebellion. So what we need to do is we need to find if we want to walk with God, we need to cooperate with his word. We need to yield to his word. Now, I'm not telling you what to do. If you want to rebel against the word of God, that's your choice. But don't then claim the sovereignty of God and don't try try and claim that you're operating by biblical principles and all kinds of things. God gave us a free choice. People don't even have to receive God if they don't want to. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm saying 
if we if we want to walk with God, then we need to be uh, yielded to His Word and to the principles of His Word. Now, that's just a bit of side side stuff for today before we dig into the passage we're going to look at, because I want to encourage people that we need to cooperate with how God in his word has shown these things to us. Faith is not a man-made teaching. It's in the Bible. We've seen it over and over and over again in, in these studies so far, particularly when we look at the people who approached Jesus. Now, we're now looking at the people that Jesus went to them. And last week, I, I, I laid a foundation for this and I explained to you that it's, it, there's a randomness to it. You can't say, there's nothing in the Bible that gives you the basis to say, God, I want you to approach me and initiate it. We can't initiate it. It doesn't come from us. It comes from him and it's random and it's not for everybody. Now, as I explained yesterday, healing is for everybody. It is the will of God for everybody to be healed. And I'm not ashamed to say that. After many years of studying the Bible, I'm convinced about that. However, healing can come through two different methods. It can come through the, the through through faith when we approach God. Now, everybody can receive that way. That's for everybody. The other way is when God initiates it and God comes to us and he operates through an anointing on a minister that he has sent and he has led them to minister to that person. That method is not for everybody. And, and, and many people want to rely on that method. They want to receive by that method because it's the easier, it seems to be anyway, the easier method. But it's not for everybody. Now, healing is for everybody. The two different methods are not. One is not for everyone. One is for everybody. So if we want to be sure to receive healing, then we need to understand that God has placed it upon us to approach him. And there are principles in how we approach him. And that's very important. We've studied that. Now, let's with that little bit of a foundation, let's go to John chapter 5. We're going to look today at the man who was sitting by the pool. You might have heard this, this uh, instance, this case of healing. And we're going to learn some important principles again. And we're going to see a bit of a contrast in this man's mentality to some of the things that we've seen in this series so far. And, and not just his mentality, probably the mentality of some of the other people who were sitting by the pool as well. So John chapter 5. And starting in verse 1, this is the man who was sitting by the pool uh, at Bethesda. Now, Bethesda, there's different uh, ideas about what it means, but the generally accepted meaning is that Bethesda means house of mercy. Okay, And, and this is a place that where, where it seems like healing was available and people were coming to receive. They were relying on the mercy of God, and hence the name Bethesda. John chapter 5, verse 1 says this, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gates, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Uh, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Let's just pause there for a moment before we look at the man himself. Let's talk a little bit about the, 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 the environment, this place, Bethesda, and what's going on here. Now, I, there's different ideas about this, uh, this what, what the King James and the New King James referred to an angel would go down and stir the water um, of this pool, and, and whoever jumped in the pool first would get healed. Now, some translations of the Bible leave that bit out. 
And it's got to do with the fact that some of the, the ancient Bible translations leave it out. So there's debate as to whether this should be in the Bible or whether it should not. Did an angel actually go down and stir up the water or was it just superstition? Now, I don't, I don't want to get into a lot of the details of that in this teaching. It's not the purpose of these teachings to, to examine the, 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 the Bible history and, and Bible translation. We could do that some other time and we study that in Bible school. But um, it, it seems like, certainly from the New King James, that something supernatural was happening here. Um, and the, on the other hand, some Bible translations, as I said, don't mention this. So they don't mention the fact that something supernatural was going on here. Now, that doesn't change what, what's actually going on. Whether something supernatural was going on here, whether people were getting healed by some kind of supernatural moving in this water or not, doesn't make much difference because the people who were coming here, they believed that healing took place here. Whether it actually did or not, got nothing to do with it because the Bible doesn't really give us a lot of detail. The important thing is here is, that is, is Jesus healing this man. And, the, and Jesus operating through people. But people would go to this pool believing or thinking, or certainly, th yeah, thinking is probably a better word, thinking that there is a possibility that healing could take place there, whether they believed there was healing in the water, whether they believed it was something supernatural. The sick people would gather together at this place uh, with the idea that healing could, might take place there. And the other thing to note is that there was no guarantee. Even, even the translations that mention an angel talk about how uh, when the water was stirred, only the first person who jumped in got it. Okay. Now, it's possible some people had been healed there through the years, but not everybody was getting healed. You couldn't just jump in the water and everybody get it. There was a randomness to this healing. Uh, that was taking place here. And a lot of uh, multitudes, uh, in fact, it says in verse three, a great multitude of people, sick people gathered there. And it seems they came every day. They would just sit there all day, hoping, dreaming, wishing that's, that they would be the one. Uh, that maybe today the water will stir and maybe I'll jump in and maybe I'll get healed. There was nothing certain about this for any of these sick people. They were gathering here with the idea that it might be me. Now, for want of a better term, I personally, I, I call this the spiritual lottery. Okay. And this is almost like they were, they were putting their, they were putting their dreams and desires in chance. There was no certainty Nobody could go there and say, I know I'm going to stay and I'm going to leave there healed. Now, the people who approached Jesus, who we've already studied, we, we see they spoke with certainty. They would say things like, come and lay your hands on her and she will live. She will be healed. There was confidence. But in this particular passage, there, there's no certainty in all of these sick people going there. Now, to be honest with you, this sounds a lot like Christians today. This sounds like a lot of Christians, they hear healing going on, they hear God is healing through a particular minister, and a lot of people go with the, the, the dream, maybe it will be me. Hopefully he calls me out. Hopefully I go to the meeting and the, the minister has a word from God about my condition and hopefully I get it. There's a lot of people that are placing their healing on chance, that maybe I'll get it, maybe it'll be me. Hopefully it's me. And like I said, it's almost playing the spiritual lottery. You know, people who, 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 do, who do buy lottery tickets, they, they're living by a dream. They're living by a chance. One chance in billions, millions, I don't even know. I don't really care. But, um, you know, this wishful thinking that maybe one day I'll be rich and wealthy if I win the lottery. 
And a lot of people live their lives getting through the daily struggles with this distant dream. This is what it was like with these people with healing. To them, healing was some kind of distant dream, and they were hoping, maybe wishing, hopefully one day, maybe today, it'll be me. But there's no certainty in this. And a lot of people pro approach healing with that attitude. And I, and, and I want you to realize we need, we need a mentality change. We need an attitude change. We need to change the way we think. And this is why I want you to see the contrast in this passage to the ones we've been studying up until now. And you're going to see a contrast in the man himself that Jesus ministers to. These people are coming there with, with a dream, a hope, but no, no certainty, no assurance. And many people these days, that's how they approach healing in the church. They've heard healing happens. They heard God heals people. They've heard miracles happening. And they're kind of thinking, I wish that would happen to me. Uh, maybe, hopefully, if I go to the meeting, maybe I'll get, get it. They're not like the man digging the hole through the roof saying, I'm here to get it. I'm, I'm, I believe when you touch me, I'll be healed. No, that's a very different attitude. They are going with the attitude, oh, man, I really need this. Hopefully, I get it. I wish one day God will touch me. And, and some of them even use phrases like, well, I'm just waiting for God to heal me. We're going to talk about that phrase a little bit today. But let's, let's just dig on to this. I hope you've got an idea of this, a little picture of these people every day going day after day to this place where they have heard some people have been healed. Maybe some of them had seen someone jump in the water and even been healed, but they're still there. They're still sick. It's not occurring for everybody. It's random. It's, it's selective. It's not, a, not everybody's getting it that way. Now, um, like I said, it's like the spiritual lottery. Now, what were these people doing? I want you to notice in verse three, uh, an important word. It says this, in these, in these five porches, this big place filled with sick people all coming, hoping to get healed. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. And notice this, waiting, waiting for the moving of the water. What were these people doing while they were at the pool? They were just waiting. They're just waiting. Now, it, there's a common phrase which I hear, hear so many Christians use, and it's, well, you know, I'm just waiting on God. I'm waiting for God. I'm waiting. I've prayed. I've asked. And now I'm waiting for the Lord to heal me. That is not a scriptural phrase, by the way. That's not biblical. You need to understand this. This whole idea, we, we allow these think, ways of thinking into our minds that are hindering us. The Bible does not say you're waiting for the Lord to answer your prayer. And people say, oh, but the Bible does say, use the phrase waiting on the Lord. Yes, it uses that phrase in, in a way that has nothing to do with prayer and receiving from God. It has to do with worship. It, it's a totally different subject, a totally different application. Waiting on the Lord is an act of worship. When we wait before him and we worship him. And, and it's very much used in probably in a similar way when you go to a restaurant and a waiter serves you. That waiter is there for you. They're waiting on you, but not in the sense of just sitting around waiting. You know, if your waiter said, well, I'm waiting on you and you saw him sitting on the other side of the restaurant, sitting in a big sofa, playing games on his phone. And you say, what are you doing? Where's my food? So no, no, I'm waiting on you. Just passively sitting there. See, that's a different type of waiting. A waiter waiting on you for food is doing something. He is there. He's active. He's serving. He's helping you. So waiting on the Lord uh, is not just sitting around passively waiting. It's an act of worship. 
But the Bible does not use waiting on God or waiting for God when it comes to answering our prayers uh, that we've asked him for things for healing. That is not a, a scriptural mentality of faith. But these people were coming. What were they doing? They were waiting. They're waiting by the pool. Why are they waiting? None of them are. are, are. Now, notice the difference. Notice the difference. In fact, I'm going to ask you a question. And this question contrasts some of, one of, some of the passages we've studied already up till now. Here's the question. Are you waiting or are you sitting by the pool or are you pressing through the crowd? See, I want you to see the difference. The woman with the issue of blood, she didn't sit around waiting. She went and got it. She got up and went and got it. The, the, the man who was carried by four of his friends, he didn't sit around waiting and say, well, I'm waiting for Jesus to come by. No, he, he, gets, he said to his four friends, let's go get it. They dug a hole through the roof and they got it. The two blind men didn't sit around on the road waiting. They, they, they followed Jesus across town. They went and got it. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood, she pushed through the crowd. She pressed in. She was not waiting for anything. Um, so these people, their attitude toward healing is a waiting mentality. It's what I call a passive approach to healing. It's I'm going to sit around and I'm going to wait for the Lord to do it all. Now, how many of these people were getting healed? Up until this time, none of them or, or very few of them. Five porches of sick people all waiting. No great healing taking place. Maybe we don't even know if if there was a supernatural occurrence here. We don't even know how oft, often it happened. Maybe it happened once a decade. Once every 50 years, maybe it had happened 30, 40 years in the past and they were still all waiting, hoping it'll happen again. We don't know. But this is a very passive approach to healing. I want you to understand this, a, a passive mentality, a passive approach to receiving from God. It, it's what I call a false faith. It's a fake imitation faith and it's hindering a lot of people. A lot of people are very passive in their approach to receiving from God. And they think they're in faith. Well, I'm, you know, they're just passively sitting, waiting. I'm waiting for it to happen. And they don't realize that that is not faith. That is not the, the, the way we, we approach God with faith. Real faith pressures it, presses in. Real faith has determination. It has drive. It moves in. It grabs a hold of and lays hold of the promises of God and refuses to let them go until it receives an answer. That's not passive. That's not waiting. Okay. These people are just waiting around. They, Like I said, they are playing the spiritual lottery. They're hoping that it's going to be them and that it's going to happen. And, and many people today are approaching healing with that mentality. Now, let's look specifically at the man himself. So you've got a, a big a crowd of sick people passively sitting around waiting, hoping, dreaming that they're going to get it. None of them are getting healed. Now, let's look at the one man who gets healed in verse 5, John chapter 5 and verse 5. It says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Now, 38 years is a long time. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen a number of cases in the Bible, uh, in the Gospels that we've studied so far, where people had long-term conditions. The good news is God can change a long-term chronic illness. Nothing's beyond his reach. 38 years, that's a long time to be in this condition, suffering. Uh, long-term. Now, I, I, we don't even know how long this man's been coming to the pool. It doesn't tell us. He might have been coming to this pool for years, might have been coming for three days. We don't know. I suspect by his attitude and by the way, he, what he says to Jesus, I suspect he's been coming a long time. He's been hoping that it's going to happen to him for a very long time. I, I believe based upon, the, and I'll show you in just a moment why I say that. 
So this man is by the pool. He comes, possibly he's been coming for years. He comes and sits down every, every day. We don't know how long, but possibly for years. Now it says in verse six, when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? You know, notice again here, Jesus initiates this. This man doesn't come to Jesus. This man's not coming to Jesus. He's sitting passively by a pool, waiting, hoping, wishful thinking, dreaming that it's going to be him. But here Jesus initiates this in his life, and Jesus comes to him and asks him a simple question. Do you want to be made well? Now, the answer would be yes, <laughs> surely. You would hope so. Notice this. The man doesn't answer Jesus' question. Notice th th this man. Notice th th what's going on in this man's uh, thinking, in his mind. Because this, hopefully this will help you because we need to avoid this way of thinking. The sick man, verse 7, answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Did Jesus say to him, do you want me to help you in the pool, into the pool? No, that's not what Jesus said to him. Jesus didn't ask him about the pool. Jesus didn't ask him anything about that. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Notice this man. This man is, is, is first of all, he says, I have no man. No, he's, he's almost, oh, poor me. Nobody's helping me. Poor me. Okay. Almost a little bit of a pity party going on in there. Nobody's helping me. I, I, I come here all the time and nobody helps me get in. They just shove me out the way and poor old me's left here. Now notice how different that thinking is to the men who were carried by four of their friends. They came to the door. They didn't sit outside crying saying, nobody's letting us in. They said, we're going in regardless. And they made sure they made a hole and they got in into the into the room. This man's moaning about the fact that nobody's helping him. Poor me. He's looking to other people. He's not looking to God. His eyes are not even on God. I, I've got nobody helping me. Poor me. Nobody helped me. Let's look at the rest of it. I have no man to put me in the pool. He's looking to the pool. His eyes aren't even on God. His whole confidence is in the pool. The pool is going to help me. This random pool that occasionally heals people is going to help me. One day, maybe I'll be the one. There wasn't even any certainty that everyone would get it. See, this is why I say a lot of Christians are in this mentality. A lot of Christians are going to meetings. They've heard, you know, a few people got healed and they go there. And think, maybe, maybe I'll be the one. They're putting their confidence in that meeting. In, the, in, in Their eyes are on man a lot of the times. Maybe the minister will call me out. People, we need to change this mentality. Get your eyes off people. Get your eyes off man. Get your eyes off ministers, pastors. Get your eyes off healing evangelists. Get your eyes off the healing anointing. Get your eyes off of who is not helping you and get your eyes on God. Our help comes from him. My eyes are on the Lord. I am looking to the Lord regardless of whether anybody calls me out of a meeting, regardless of whether anybody comes to pray for me, whether, regardless of whether anybody helps me or, or does anything for me. I'm not looking to man. This needs to be the mentality. This man is focused on other people and he's focused on the pool as being his solution. I, I don't have a man. Nobody's helping me. Poor me. I'm waiting for the day the water gets stirred up and maybe I'm close enough and I've managed to get in. And, and, and then he moans and he says, but while I'm coming, other people step down, step, step, step down before me. Now, notice in that, I think this man's given up hope. 
I think this man has given up hope. I think he's coming to this pool out of habit. This is why I say, I th- I, it seems like, we, although we're not told how long he's been coming, it seems like he's been coming a long time. He's probably tried many times. You know that when we try things over and over again and we don't get results, we get discouraged. This man, his attitude, he's, it, it, it sounds like to me by, by what he's saying that he's sounding a bit hopeless and down. He says that I just can't do it. I try. I try to get to the pool. Nobody's helping me in. They push me out the way. And poor old me. Others step down before me. It seems like this man is a bit hopeless. Now, thank God. God, for the mercy of God. I can guarantee you this. This man is not in faith. There's no faith in this man at all in his attitude. This is why I say it's possible to get healing when you're not in faith because Jesus healed. And we're going to see that in just a moment. That It is possible. Faith is not the only way to get healed. However, I believe it is the number one primary way. And I believe it is God's best. God has made available another route for people to get healed, the mercy of God initiating it in their life. However, it's very random and it's not for everybody, that route. Faith is, okay? Thank God this this man in a completely faithless condition is looking to the pool. His eyes aren't even on God. His eyes are on other people. He's feeling hopeless. Thank God Jesus came to him that day. Now, why did Jesus go to him? We looked at this last week. We saw that Jesus went where he was sent, he didn't, Jesus didn't just wake up one morning and think, I'll go and heal a man by the pool. This was a spirit-initiated action. You see, you've got, to, you've got to understand these things in context with the other scriptures and what was shown elsewhere. Jesus, remember last week we looked in Luke 4, Jesus referred to the widow woman that Elijah went to. And it says Elijah was sent. When we look back in that passage, it shows that God specifically told Elijah to go to that woman. Elijah didn't just decide to go to that woman. Okay. So Jesus, why did Jesus specifically go to people? Because the Spirit of God sent him. Okay, So the Spirit of God initiated this. Jesus went to this man. And in verse 8, despite this man being very hopeless, he says, Jesus says to him, rise up. Or, well, sorry, rise, take up your bed and walk. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the amazing thing is many times when Jesus told people to do things like go show yourself to the priest, take up your bed, or the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. Many times when Jesus told them to do things, these the people did the thing before the healing took place. And see, very often faith responds to an instruction from God and begins to do it before the, the manifestation comes. We talked about that when we talked about how to act on your faith. In this instance, it, it, it appears like this man was healed before he did, before he moved, before he obeyed the instruction. The power of God hit him. He was healed. Verse 9 says, immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. So the healing just was a, was a supernatural divine intervention, a manifestation in this man's life where he was healed. It's not based upon his faith or upon him acting on anything. Healing took place but very much by the mercy of God. Okay? And he gets up and, and, and is healed. Thank God for that. In fact, later on in the passage, he didn't even know who healed him. He didn't even know who Jesus was. The Pharisees questioned him and said, why are you carrying your bed? Because it's the Sabbath. Now, we'll talk about the Sabbath in connection to healing in a later session in a couple of weeks' time. But all, uh, every one of the healings that Jesus initiated, when Jesus went to the sick person, every one of them uh, took place on the Sabbath. And it's interesting. I believe there's a pattern there. and there's, I believe there's a reason. And it might not be what, what a lot of times we think the reason is. We'll look at that. 
but it's the Sabbath that Pharisees get offended. They say, why are you carrying your bed? And he says, the guy who healed me told me to carry my bed. <laughs> He's walking around carrying his bed. He says, the guy just told me to do it. And they said to him, who told you to carry your bed? He says, I don't know. I didn't know who he was. This man didn't even know who Jesus was. And it's only Jesus went back to him and he, and he realized, oh, it's you. Hello, Jesus. Nice to meet you. He had no faith whatsoever. Mercy of God. This passage is an example of a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. This, where, where 1 Corinthians 12 13, 12, 13, and 14 show us that the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, they happen as the Spirit wills. Okay? We can't make this happen. This is a God-initiated action. And, and if it wasn't for God initiating it in this man's life, it probably this man probably would have continued going by the pool for, for the rest of his life because he had no confidence, no faith in God. Now, I thank God that God has made an, an alternative route available that people can receive healing when they're not in faith. But listen very carefully, but don't rely on this as the method. Many people are looking to this. They want the healing to take place like this. They want to be like the man where they, they don't have any confidence, where they don't look to God. They want to be like the man who, 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 who's feeling hopeless and faithless, and they just want God to come and do it all for them. Don't look to this method. This is an alternative method. People can and do get healed this way, but it's not God's best. The Bible does not say we live by God doing it all for us through miracles. It says we live by faith. God is wanting us to learn to come to him and put our faith in him. But this man, this man is the mercy of God. Now, I want you to notice a few things about this passage. We saw at the start that there was a great multitude of sick people there. How many people got healed by Jesus? Okay, one. Out of a whole group of people, one man received healing from Jesus in this passage. Why? Jesus wasn't sent to the rest of them specifically. <laughs> and that does not mean the others could not have got healed. Why did God initiate a healing through to one man here? Well, personally, I think if you think about it, I personally think a, a massive healing revival could have been sparked off at this pool. See, other people could have looked to this man and said, hey, how did you get healed? I didn't see the water get stirred. And he said, oh, some guy healed me. The people around them could have said, started to reach out to Jesus in faith. They could have responded to the supernatural uh, spirit-initiated healing. And the rest of the people there all could have started reaching out to Jesus. And Jesus, heal us too. Hey, we want some of that. And they could have responded in faith. And I believe more people, they could have been healed. However, none of them did. Jesus left that place with only the one man having received. Why? The rest of them were too busy waiting. They didn't get it. They didn't rise up in faith when one man received healing. They just sat there continuing and say, well, he went to him. Maybe he'll come to me. Oh, no, he's not coming to me. Bye. Oh, maybe. Oh, I wish I could have got it. I wish I could have been healed when, when that man came through through the pool. But or may, maybe, we'll, well, we'll, let's see what happens tomorrow. Maybe maybe the water will stir tomorrow. Maybe that man will come back. See, these people were too busy waiting. Rather than reaching out to God in faith and saying, Father, I have come here believing your word to receive. And I thank you that you 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 do as your word says and you heal me. And I thank you for that. That's the attitude of faith. But these people were too busy waiting and, 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 and didn't, get, didn't reach out to Jesus. They could have done. 
Many people are in this mentality. This is an important lesson tonight. This passive waiting mentality where we're sitting around waiting for God to do it is hindering a lot of people. As you can see, this whole group of people, only one man got it with that mentality, not everybody. We need to learn how to press in. As I said, the question, question I asked is this, are you sitting by the pool? Are you just waiting by the pool or are you pressing through the crowd? We need to stop sitting around waiting by the pool and we need to press into the word of God like the woman with the issue of blood. It's amazing contrast in this, in this passage. Five porches of sick people, a great multitude of sick people, and Jesus is sent to one of them. That shows that it's random. That shows that it's not for everybody. That doesn't mean healing is not for everybody. Let me qualify that again. Healing is for everybody. This method of Jesus coming to you to do it all for you, that's not for everybody. You being able to go to God and put your faith into practice and approach God you are based upon biblical principles, that is for everybody. There's two different ways healing can take place. But this particular method of healing was not for everybody. Only one man got it. And, um, and, and, and but God, God sometimes does this because he wants other people to start seeing what's available. God's healing people and he wants faith to start rising up in the other people so that they begin to grab a hold of it. But so many people are so stuck in a passive waiting mentality that, they, they, that they're never going to rise up and start moving in and pressing in like that. That passive waiting mentality, I've called it two things, a waiting mentality and a passive mentality. I believe they're linked. But you need to understand this. I believe being passive is one of the greatest enemies and greatest obstacles that you will face to receiving from God. People say, no, no, the devil's the biggest object. He's, he's withholding my healing. No, I do not believe the devil's the biggest problem. Okay, The devil cannot, when a person steps out and says, Jesus, I believe God God sent Jesus to the cross. Jesus died on the cross, and I believe Jesus uh, died for me. And when a person hands their life over to Jesus and receives Jesus and becomes born again, can the devil stop a person getting born again when they put their faith in Jesus and the cross and receive Jesus? No, the devil's not powerful enough to stop anyone getting born again. He's not big enough. Okay. What makes you think you can stop anything else we receive from God when we put the principles into practice properly? One of the one of the enemy's biggest ways to stop people is to, to work on our own minds, to bring deception, to bring thoughts that stop us acting on the word of God. And one of the big ways, one of the big things is being passive. It's that it's just sitting around, you know, uh, you know, I prayed and now I'm waiting for the Lord to do it. I'm waiting for God to heal. I'm just going to sit here passively waiting, 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 waiting. No, 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 no. That's not the way. If you if you are trusting God for healing, if you've been listening to these, if, whether it's your first time, whether you've listened to any of the others, if you're trusting God for healing, and I know some people are, you, every day press in the healing. Every day, don't allow yourself to become passive. Don't allow yourself to get into a waiting, I'm sitting around waiting mentality. Drive in, take the healing scriptures every day. It's very easy to get distracted and, and our minds run to other things. And what happens is we don't drive in and we don't receive. Passivity is one of the greatest enemies to receiving from God that there is. It's when we just get passive and we sit back. Um, every one of the, this entire Five porches, this great multitude of sick people could have been healed if they had stopped being passive and they'd risen up and pressed in. The healer was right there with them. 
right in their midst, and yet they were too busy waiting and didn't get anything. Okay, so we need to get rid of these waiting. There are two different mentalities. There are two different approaches to healing. One is a very passive mentality. It's a sit around, wait for God to do it. Oh, it's all up to the Lord. Again, that's and we we say so many religious sounding phrases. They sound spiritual and they're a load of garbage. This whole well, it's all up to the Lord. That 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 sounds so spiritual. No, 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 no. It, it, it's it, God has put more in our hands than we than we've realized. Okay, you know, God did His bit. It's called the cross. <laughs> it's what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus provided salvation. And what would happen if we just sat around saying, "Well, you know, I'm not going to receive Jesus by faith. It's up to the Lord if He wants to save me." Now, we don't have that mentality with salvation. We go up, we receive, we receive what God's given us. And yet when it comes to healing, when it comes to anything after that, we do, we go back into passivity. And, oh, you know, it's all up to the Lord. No, God in his word has shown us things that are up to us. Okay, The woman with Yeshua blood didn't just sit at her house and say, well, it's up to the Lord. If he wants to heal me, he'll come by my house and he'll do it all for me. No, she got up, she pressed in. The man carried by four, they went and got it. They got it. They did their part. Okay, this waiting, it's all up to the Lord mentality, this passive mentality is hindering a lot of people from receiving. We need to press them. So the, there's two different mentalities. The first is a passive mentality. The second is a pressing in mentality. It's where we take a hold of the word of God and we move in with the word of God. We take the scriptures and we say, Father, I believe your word. I believe your word. And we press in on a daily basis to these things. So don't allow yourself to become passive. The, the passive waiting for God to do it mentality is a false faith. It's a fake imitation faith. It's like fool's gold. It's not real gold. Many people, what they're calling faith is passive. Oh, I'm believing, that I'm believing God, so I'm in faith, you know, and, I, and I'm waiting for God now. Look, you just told me you're not in faith. That's not real faith. That's fake faith. Passive mentality is a fake faith. It's not, the, the Bible faith pushes in. Bible faith gets up and moves and acts and speaks the word of God aggressively on a daily basis, showing determination and drive to receive from God. Okay? So don't allow that passive fake faith to, to, to get a hold of you and, and to, to, to keep you back. Don't be the one sitting by the pool. Be the one pressing through the crowd. Let's look, at, let's look at one other passage quickly. I want you to see this in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 7. Now, we could, we, we could highlight other passages throughout the Bible with, with, that, that illustrate this point, but just look at this one for now. 2 Kings chapter 7. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 6, what has happened is um, uh, the, the city has been uh, siege. Uh, it's got enemies. It's under siege. Enemies have surrounded the city. The Syrian army has surrounded, I think it's Jerusalem. I actually didn't check which city. Uh, which city is it? It doesn't uh, look for now. Anyway, they've besieged one of the cities in Israel. It might be Jerusalem. I haven't checked which city it was. Um, Samaria. Okay. But anyway, Eli Elisha the prophet is there and he begins to say and he says that he, he speaks out by the word of the lord that things are going to change god's going to change this uh, situation and, and this, this siege is going to be won people are starving there's famine in the city to a point that people are so desperate they're resorting to to 
disgusting things just to get food. It's bad. People are dying, famine, starvation. Now, what happens is at the gates of the city, there are a couple of, I think it's four lepers. Four lepers, they stand, they, because they're not allowed in the city because they're lepers. They can't go away from the city because the enemy army is there. They're going to be killed. So they're just sitting by the gates of the city while the siege is going on. Then they're probably just as hungry as everybody else. There's no food there. And in, in Second, uh, Second Kings chapter 7, verse 3, it says there, now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? That's, that's a good question. They, they, they've been sitting there just dying. They, they, they can't do anything. It's hopeless. They, they got their leprosy. They're probably not even trained to fight at the army. The, the enemy army is around the city. There's only four of them. And they've just been sitting there, and suddenly it dawns on them, why are we just sitting here? We're just going to die if we sit here. Notice, remember, sitting, sitting passively, waiting by the pool. The, up until this moment, these men have been sitting passively, just waiting at the city of the gate, hoping that this, this, this siege is over and they get some food. But suddenly they think to themselves, why are we sitting here? What are we doing sitting here? We're just going to die if we sit here. And it says this, and, and they start to reason this out. And they say, if we, if we say we'll enter the city, the famine's in the city, and we're going to die there. So they say, if we go into the city, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. And it says, if we sit here, we'll die also. So they say this, now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. So they say, let's get up and do something. If we go into the city, we're going to die. If we sit here, we're going to die. Let's do something. Let's get up and move. And they get up and they say, let's go. Let's just go, try. Let's go to the Syrians. And, 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 and what happens is they do that. They, they, they get up at, at twilight. That's early in the morning. They get up and they move. They stop sitting around passively. And in and, and verse 5, they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. They get to the enemy army and there's nobody there. They've all fled. They've run away. And verse 6 says this, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. What had happened is because these men, these four men decided, I'm not going to sit around anymore. I'm going to get up and do something. And as they walked, God took the sound of the four of them walking toward the Syrian army. He amplified it through a supernatural heavenly amplifier, it seems like, so that the Syrians didn't hear four men. They heard an army coming at them and they panicked and they got afraid. See, and they ran away. They thought... There's other armies coming to get us, and they fled. And 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 the lepers, they they just started picking up the gold and the silver and the food. And, oh look, we're wealthy! And the siege in the city was over. Why? Because four men decided, I'm not going to just sit around and wait anymore. I'm going to do something. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move. And God took that and used it. See, the passive waiting mentality is hindering a lot of people. It's stopping them. The Bible, the Bible approach is get up and move. Give God something to, 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 to work with. Your words, your actions, your faith, your determination, your drive. 
So I hope today, and this has been the goal, is I want you to see, wanted you to see a contrast. I wanted you to see the passive mentality of sitting by the pool, these people waiting. Only one man got healed out of the whole crowd. The rest of them could have got it, but they were too busy waiting. And then you see the contrast of the woman with the issue of blood and the other people we've studied pushing in. But this, I believe this passage just gives us an incredible contrast between the mentalities. Which one do, should we be in? We, we don't want to be the sitting. We don't want to be sitting by the pool. We, we, we don't want to just be a wait, in a waiting, passive mentality. We want to press in. So I want to encourage you, take a hold of this this week. Begin to press in, stir up your speaking of the word of God. Stir up your believing God. If, if, if you need healing, and just sit around and say, well, you know, I'm waiting for God to do it. That, that, that's not a faith mentality. That's not a Bible mentality. The Bible mentality is I'm going to press in and I'm going to receive because God has made this available. And if I have to push in every day, I'm going to push in every day. I'm going to drive forward on the principles of the word of God. And I thank God that his word works and that God will move in my life when I begin to move and when I begin to press in on an ongoing basis. Amen. So uh, again, thank you for joining us. And I appreciate you all joining us, excuse me, and watching these videos each week. I love doing these. I'm enjoying these teachings and I appreciate your support. I appreciate everybody who's sharing these and um, and, 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 and liking them and watching them. And, and thank you very much for that. And I just ask that you continue to share them. My heart's my desire is to just get this teaching out there available to people so that they can begin to understand these principles. We've got a, we've still got quite a few of these cases of healing to get through. We'll get through them all, and then we'll do another series on something else and and help you to learn more and, and understand the Bible more. So it's a 